when we have mindfulness, we can do this with being aware of the mind, or we can bring our awareness to the body, to the breath. And these form the basis of recollection of the heart. Um, because the mind is this knowing element which receives all of these sensations. And when it um, receives a sensation like this, then it starts to proliferate. And uh, so the sensations that it experiences are the forms, uh, sounds, odors, um, tastes, these tactile sensations. And there's also the emotions and the thoughts that we experience in the mind as well. And these emotions and thoughts, we call them Dhamma Aramanas. And when these come up in the mind, and there is a lack of mindfulness, uh, then the mind will run after them. And it shows that there is uh, insufficient sati there to uh, push away or to not follow these thoughts and these emotions. And in that case, the mind gets caught in liking or disliking, and it's possible for the defilements of greed, hatred, and delusion to arise. So we need to be cautious around our minds, because these minds are leaders. And any success we gain is due to our minds. Whatever we do um, in the world, um, we need to make sure that we don't um, ruin our minds because if our minds get damaged, if they get ruined, then everything else in our lives will be wasted, will be ruined as well. So we really need to care for these minds by maintaining our mindfulness. So this sati, um, another way of translating it is sort of recollection and sampajanya is this all-around knowing. And these are two qualities which give great benefits um, that uh, really help our practice. Because we see that if we don't have these qualities of sati and sampajanya, then there's no way that our practice will be able to get results. And the more mindfulness we have, the better. So what happens when various feelings, emotions arise? There's love, there's hate, there's fear. Then how do we practice? How do we meditate? Well, we tell ourselves that these things are not sure. They're inconstant. In order to prevent the mind from proliferating upon them, from chasing after these emotions. Because if we do follow these, it shows that there's deficient mindfulness. The mind runs after them, and then it gets into all kinds of trouble. And so we need to care for them. We need to look after these minds. Um, it thinks that all of these emotions, all these thoughts that are going on are correct, are right. But really, these things are not sure. They're inconstant. So suppose we have a feeling of love or hate towards something. This emotion arises in the heart and the mind is deluded towards that emotion. Um, in that case, we need to teach our minds that these emotions, they're 
inconstant, they're not sure, they're things that we can't depend upon. And as we teach it, then wisdom can arise. This wisdom that comes up through contemplating into this nature of inconstancy, into the nature of uh, anicca, dukkha, anatta. And these are the three um, objects which allow wisdom to arise. So whenever a feeling comes up, then we need to teach our minds as well. And whatever arises in the mind, we tell ourselves that this thing is not sure. It's not something that we can rely upon. And sometimes we're able to get into a state of concentration or samadhi during meditation, but we tell ourselves that's not sure. Sometimes we meditate and there's no samadhi. We tell ourselves that's not sure. Sometimes there's something we meet that we like, and that's not sure. And we come across something that we don't like, and we tell ourselves that's also not sure. We meditate like this in the way that Lumpur Cha taught and instructed. He said that those who can practice like this are like a lichen in a tree, uh, this lichen that's called old man's beard. And it's able to get its nourishment from the moisture in the air, and that it doesn't need roots in the ground to sustain itself. It's able to feed off the air. And uh, if we have these um, meditation objects or objects of contemplation uh, present, then we'll be like this, these objects of vipassana. And then our minds can gain the wisdom that allows us to let go of these feelings, of these thoughts. And sometimes the mind can be really burdened by all of these emotions. So we really do need to look after them, to take care of them to maintain our mindfulness and wisdom so that these qualities protect and nurture the heart. And because we see that if we attach to something, this becomes the cause for us to suffer. If we have mindfulness and wisdom, however, then attachments just can't operate. Um, so we need to work at this point to fix our suffering right here where the mind is attaching. Because if it does that, then we'll experience anguish as a result. And Pochar said it's just like seeing a snake in front of us on the path. And we um, can see that if we grab that snake anywhere or if we step on it, um, then it's going to turn around and it's going to bite us. And its venom is going to go into our body, into our bloodstream and cause a lot of damage. Um, so if we don't see the snake, then that's what will happen. We'll step on it. But if we see it and we know that that's a venomous snake, then we avoid it and it can't bite us. And its venom can't enter into our body and cause us pain. So suffering doesn't arise. So it's the, the same like this, that um, if we don't go to the two extremes, um, on the practice, this extreme of indulgence and sensuality or uh, self-mortification, um, then this takes us on this middle way that leads us out of suffering. And so even though our minds may be attracted to one of these or both of these extremes, we teach ourselves to not follow them. And because if we do, it'll give rise to chaos, confusion and disturbance. 
and there'll be a lot of suffering, even though we understand or we get the impression that by following these um, other paths, we'll gain happiness. That we want this happiness, but what we get instead is dukkha, is suffering. And just like how we want to be born, we like birth. We think the birth makes us happy. And when a child gets born or one of our grandchildren uh, gets born, then we're overjoyed by that. And, but along with that birth comes old age, sickness and death. And there's separation uh, from those that we love. But we think that birth gives us happiness. But along with that birth comes old age, sickness, death, comes pain. And these come as pairs, they come together. There was a time when the Buddha taught a Brahmin uh, called Diga Naka Brahmin. And uh, the Buddha asked this Brahmin what his view was. And he replied that he, um, his view was that whatever he didn't uh, like, then that thing is inappropriate for him to get, that he shouldn't get that. Um, and so he spoke in line with his views, and also spoke in line with truth, uh, because the subtle meaning of uh, what he said, what his view, was that uh, he didn't actually like the Buddha, and so he didn't want to be around the Buddha, he didn't want to meet the Buddha. Um, but the Buddha responded, saying that this view that you have should be disagreeable to you. You shouldn't like this view. And the Brahmin was confused by this because he thought that this view was already good. Um, that, of course, if you don't like something, then you just shouldn't get that thing. That if you get it, then it's going to cause suffering. But if you don't get the things that are disagreeable to you, then there'll be happiness. But the Buddha pointed to his own body and he said, old age, sickness, and death. Do you like these things? And the Brahmin responded truthfully. He said, I don't like old age, sickness, or death. So the Buddha asked him, well, when you get these things, how are you going to feel? Are you going to be happy or are you going to suffer? And when this Brahmin looked into um, this question and contemplated it, he saw that he would suffer. Um, that when the body changes in a way that he doesn't like, then suffering will arise. And because he couldn't accept the truth of the body. And but when he heard this teaching, he understood. He understood that the nature of the body is to arise, stay for a while, and then cease. And that's just how it is, that it changes in this manner. And he could accept the truth. And in doing so, he gained the eye of Dhamma. And you see, he saw his own body in line with truth, and his mind then accepted that truth. And so for us, we need to try to come about to an acceptance of truth as well, to bring this up first. We need to care for our minds so that they stay in a normal state. Because if the mind is deluded by any of the sensations it experiences for one minute, then we're crazy for a minute. And so we can ask ourselves, well, how many hours every day do we spend insane? And so if we go and attach to things like this, if the mind doesn't have mindfulness and wisdom, then 
it will be crazy very frequently. So we need to bring up these qualities of sati and panya um, to prevent the mind from going and attaching to things. Um, so this is talking in line with Dhamma, um, that we're crazy and that we don't know the truth of the Dhamma. So we need to train ourselves to abandon this attachment because attachment is the cause of suffering. So we engage in this practice uh, to let go of the things that we attach to. So for example, we don't like old age sickness and death. Um, But we know that when we're born, then we have to meet with these things, that the body then has to die. So then what do we do? And having been born, how do we live our lives in the way that is that gives rise to the greatest benefit? Well, we need to devote ourselves to developing this heart and to bring up peace in the mind so that it doesn't chase after these sense impressions. Whenever a feeling of love or hate, fear, um, anger arises, um, in the first place, what we need to do is bring up the quality of kanti, of forbearance. And this kanti is the mother and father of all dhammas. It's uh, the abiding quality of recluses, of contemplatives. So we need to have this endurance, this forbearance towards all the sense impressions that we meet with in order to stop ourselves from following them. So sometimes there's a lot of anger, sometimes there's hate, sometimes there's great love in the mind, but we don't act following those emotions. We don't believe them. Uh, Because if we do act upon them in any way, later on, that'll give rise to regret or wish that we had never done that. Um, So when the mind doesn't have enough sati, then wisdom just can't arise. And in this state, then whenever these emotions come up again, we'll just follow them again, even though we had regretted it the last time. So we do need to train our minds to practice um, so that whenever these emotions arise, and we respond by forbearing, by enduring. And then we look into the mind and see that all of these feelings arise, they stay for a bit and they cease. They arise, they stay and they cease. And no matter how um, important something may be, and this practice of abandoning attachment is even more important. Despite um, the importance of anything in this world, anything that we experience, Letting go is more important. So we need to let go first and put down the attachment that we have in our minds towards all of these sense impressions. And uh, when we can do this, um, we can follow the teachings of the Buddha in this way, then suffering just can't arise. And we'll be able to see into the Dhamma just like uh, Diga Naka Brahma did we can accept the truth of old age sickness and death. And when these things come to us, we don't suffer because we've already accepted them. There's no fear of death. 
Um, but at the same time, we don't live our lives heedlessly. And we care and we look after this life in order to um, use it to cultivate goodness. So it's not the case that just because there's no fear of death, we live uh, carelessly, but rather we live through wisdom. We live heedfully, um, even though there is this absence of fear. So we see all throughout the world now, um, there's a pandemic that's spreading around and many, many people are unwell. And this also happened during the time of the Buddha. In uh, Vaisali, there was a plague that had spread and it was causing great amounts of suffering to the people there that the cremation forests were just filled with corpses. And there were so many people who were getting sick. And, um, and uh, because they couldn't uh, deal with their corpses properly, uh, that was just spreading the sickness even more and then more people died. And there were also a lot of spirits of ghosts that were around the city uh, because of all this death. And so the Buddha told Venerable Ananda to go into uh, the city and teach the Ratana Sutta and tell the people there about it and they can recite it. And after having done this, uh, a great rain fell down and it cleared the sickness out of the city. We see that in the Buddha's time, there was also a pandemic like this as well. And now, well, we've met with many different illnesses in the past, uh, things like uh, typhoid, for example, and we've come up with treatments for them. But even though we treat these diseases, uh, still more new sicknesses arise. And even though we have uh, such an advancement in medicine and there are so many doctors, still new illnesses come up. So what this means uh, when the rain fell onto this town and, and cleared it away means that uh, the rain kind of purified the town, it cleaned the town. So nowadays we have different methods of cleaning, uh, of making things uh, kind of uh, sterilized so that the illness or this uh, virus doesn't spread. And so there are these different, uh, well now this uh, virus is spreading uh, around the world. But we also see that it's not just kind of a bodily illness, but there's also the internal sickness, the, the virus of the mind. And uh, this too is spreading around and is in the minds of most beings. Um, and this comes up due to the attachment that we have. And because we attach far more than what's necessary. And when we do that, the mind experiences a lot of difficulty. It becomes very heavy, full of suffering. We don't get the things that we want. Um, people don't speak to us in the way that we would like. We want to say, them to say nice things to us, to say things that we agree with. We want people to act like that, but it's just not possible. Um, and when we don't get what we like, then we suffer. But it's just not possible for everyone to do things that we find pleasing. 
And because the beings who are born into this world all have greed, hatred, and delusion in their hearts. And so it's just natural that they'll do things that we find disagreeable. But if we can look after our hearts and maintain them in a good state, then no matter um, what we meet with externally, um, no matter what sensations that we experience from the outside world, and even if we really don't like them, we won't suffer due to them. And there won't be this suffering there in the heart. And so we need to relieve our minds from this illness of attachment. And we do so by training and mindfulness and uh, this all-round knowing, these qualities which have great benefit in our practice. And we also maintain our sila as well, our looking after the mind. Whenever any thoughts arise, then we tell ourselves these things are not sure. Any feelings come up, there's love, there's hate, we tell us, tell ourselves these things are not sure. Uh, we really become overjoyed by something. We tell ourselves that's not sure. We become depressed by something. Well, that's not sure. And we see that these things can flip over very quickly, that the mind can go between love and hate, between liking and disliking very quickly, that sometimes defilements are in the mind and sometimes they're not active in the mind. But we know why that's happening. If there's defilements there, we know why. If there's an absence of them, then we know why. And this means, if we can understand that, it means that we have mindfulness. So we train ourselves to have this mindfulness, to know all of the things that come up in the mind as they're arising, so that we're able to let go of them. And uh, if we can't let go, then we'll just attach to all of them. And uh, this is quite dangerous. So we need to really be looking after our minds. And just like a cow herd who's looking after uh, the cows. And if he slips in his mindfulness, then they'll go and eat all the rice crops. And so if our minds don't have this mindfulness, then there can be a lot of damage that arises. But the mind in that state is absence of a refuge of something it can rely upon. It just chases after all of the sensations it meets with and then it comes across a lot of suffering. And just like someone homeless on the street who has no place to go to, um, they're in a very difficult state. But the mind that has no refuge, no thing that it can rely upon, is in even more of a tough state. So we need to train ourselves to have this mindfulness, um, to maintain our minds and to, to think good thoughts, to do good deeds, to speak good things. And if the mind thinks anything that's not good, then we abandon that. Uh, because we see that that'll cause us uh, difficulty. But if we can abandon it, um, then the mind doesn't become chaotic. It keeps the mind in a healthy state, which means that it's in samadhi. So just like how we train our bodies to be strong uh, through exercising them, so they become healthy, there's less fat in the blood, for example, um, and if we don't do that exercise, then the body will be weak and sickness can arise easily. And if a virus comes in, then it won't have the resistance or the strength to fight against it. And it's possible that it may die as a result. So our minds are the same, that if we don't train them uh, to be peaceful, then they'll be weak. 
whenever they meet with a sensation, then the mind just runs after that. These sensations drag them along. And so there's no energy to the mind, and it's easy for these aramanas, these sensations, to damage the mind, to cause it a lot of pain and difficulty. So we do need to train ourselves in this way. And we have this great opportunity to do so. We've been born into a human form. Um, and if we meet with physical illness, then we try to treat that. And we do so in line with each illness that we experience. We treat it uh, accordingly. And we also look after our minds as well. And through this practice, through meditation, developing them to higher levels. In this meditation, it's the highest form of practice, of uh, puja, of homage, um, and it brings great benefit. So we try to meditate like this, to not be heedless, even though we may meet, or even though the practice may be very difficult initially, uh, it may be tough to bring up mindfulness, to develop samadhi. But as we carry on doing this, then we'll meet with an rapture and the body may feel very light. It may feel like it's expanding, becoming taller. And as we carry on meditating, it may feel like it's filling up the entire hall. So that's what's like when the mind has mindfulness and samadhi in it. Then when it comes out of this state of collectedness, then we contemplate to give rise to wisdom, knowing physicality and mentality as they are, seeing form as just form, seeing mental phenomena as just mental phenomena, there's no being, there's no self, no me or other there. Just like how uh, Diga Naka Brahman um, understood seeing the body as just the body, that old age, sickness and death are natural things. And in doing this, he gained the eye of Dhamma. So I ask for all of you to contemplate so that you come to see the Dhamma for yourselves as well. And may all of you grow in the Dhamma. <laughs>